Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. That will be found on your pew Bibles, 1,883. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is ever, sorry, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The word of God. Thank you, Carol. And our text is from... Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, these words from verse 11, where it encourages us, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So that sense of an encouraging word is our theme this morning. People of God, we come together this morning seeking again the wisdom of our God to live into and live out that wisdom as God's people. And the first, uh, the area that is before us is to be careful with what we say. Now, it starts with the warning in relation to those who teach. And I truly feel that as I seek to say things and, and speak to people to be careful in terms of what I say, even, even thinking about preparing a message, taking the time to do that, 
And then in the back of my mind too, Psalm 19, verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. This, this sense of the words we say, the things we say, are very important and need to be considered carefully. So, the results of, of, not, of not saying things, of not being careful in what we say, I have seen in ministry often uh, people are wounded by what others say. And so, for example, in, in a family situation, there, there comes times where someone, a brother or a sister, says something to another sibling, and all of a sudden, there, there is that bond of family is cut. And the family is not talking to each other anymore. And, and you think, how can that be? But those words... Have, have power. Those words have, have influence. And, and what has been said cannot be taken back. And, and even efforts to... Uh, it takes effort to, to get through that, to build that up again. And so you see people wounded in, in family relationships, in church relationships too. People, people can, can judge the action of another church member and speak an opinion when they really know very little about what's going on. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the fellowship, the spiritual fellowship is cut. So how did that happen? Well, somebody said something. And now the person who has been spoken to in, a, in an uncaring way, in an unthoughtful way, in an unwise way, feels hurt. And there's a lot of tension. And the people can even withdraw from the fellowship. And so, so the reality of, of my, my understanding of my words, of, of our words together, very important warning here. You think of James here who was writing to the church and, and he is aware of all these potential stresses and strains. And he gives us a word from God, a word of wisdom, God speaking through James, speaking to us this morning, be careful what you say. Very, very important. So this morning, I want to let the very word of God in James 3 speak a word of wisdom into our lives, the wisdom of God, that we always seek to use words wisely. That builds on James 1, verse 19, which we looked at earlier as we were looking at the letter of James, where it says, Be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's wise. So two things this morning I want to just focus in on to let the text direct us to truly realize, first of all, the harm that our words can do. Sometimes we don't, we don't comprehend that enough. And we, we just blurt things out. But to realize the harm our words can cause, and then secondly, especially this morning, to truly realize the power of good words 
encouraging words. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage one another, build one another up to truly see how helpful, how healing, how inspiring that is. And I want to just give one initial example. I won't mention any names, but there's someone here who takes the time to take a little scrap of paper and, and, and she puts a little picture on there and, and she writes just a few words. And, and on the one hand, you think, what is that? But people who receive that little note from this person are encouraged, they treasure that note. It's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. And so our words can be that powerful encouragement to one another. As we read from James 3, the thing that is striking on an initially hearing the word is how much words can hurt. And we often don't realize that. But it uses the example in verse 5 of a forest fire. And we know the events in Fort McMurray. And we have heard in the news all that's going on. And, and the effects of that event... Considering the cause, they're still not sure, but they know it wasn't started by lightning. So somebody's cigarette or somebody's small campfire. And all of a sudden, you have the wind picking things up. You have a town evacuated. You have homes destroyed. You have the, the industry shut down. You have the whole economy in that region shut down. You have Canada's economy affected. And it all began... And this is James' vision too, his understanding in those days too when a fire broke out and, and wooden buildings and things destroyed and, and the effect of just that one small spark, he says, one small unintentional thing has amazing consequences. And so for us to realize our words have huge consequences, much, much, much beyond what we would think. Oh, doesn't matter. I'll just, I'll just lay into this person for a bit, and, and I, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters a lot. And the power of words affect our lives and the lives of others. I was reflecting on verse 6, and it talks, his example there is of uh, words uh, that cause a world of evil and that corrupt a whole person. And, and I was thinking, as, as someone takes one word to heart, as, as some disgruntled person in this world takes the word terrorist to heart, and as someone in some country takes the word on themselves. I am a terrorist. And that's, that's a very small word, simple word, but that enters them into what it says here, a world of evil. And it corrupts the whole person. And because there are people in this world who take that word to themselves and they think and they say, I am a terrorist, then we are uncertain here 
and, and, and the Olympic Games has to have all kinds of security, and, and at the airport you have to do all kinds of extra things, and everything changes because one person thinks, takes this word, and it's, it's a world of evil they enter, and it's a whole person, and the whole course of their life, and it affects everything. So that, that's an example of, of how words make a difference, how they influence us and others. And then when he says in verse 8, he calls the tongue a restless evil full of deadly poison. And when, when he says that, I, I think he's pointing back to our understanding of, of all human existence. He's pointing back to the poison of the snake in the garden in Gethsemane. Uh, sorry, in, in the Garden of Eden. And he's pointing to the words of, of the evil one who just says very simply to Adam and Eve, oh, God didn't want you to eat from that tree? Well, actually, God is, is, is not to be trusted and you should. Very, very simple few words. But there again, the result is the complete transformation of God's good creation. Death enters the world. We are separated from God and from each other. And those few words changed everything. And that's, that's really the point that he's making. Even as we consider what we say, how do we speak? Be aware that our words can cause great harm and speak carefully to one another about things and about God. It's wisdom to do that. Godly wisdom. But along, along with this wisdom, this passage describes how words can help. And that's really the focus, how good words can help. And in fact, that's stated first in this passage, the verses 3 and 4, where it talks about how good words can help. And it should be our priority, just like the passage begins, verses 3 and 4, with how good words uh, direct and guide and do good things. So for us, in any and every situation you are in, whenever you approach somebody, even here in the fellowship hall, as you walk up to them, that you are thinking, what can I say to this person that would encourage them, that would help them? How can I just, just be wonderfully speaking of God and good things into their life, of hope and joy? A healing, hopeful word. It could be as simple as as you approach someone and they, they speak to you about uh, an aspect of their life and then you could respond, uh, they might have a need and you would simply respond, I can help you. I can help. I'm available to help. Whatever you need, I will help you. Wow. Wow, right away, right away, the person, the person
person who had something, was wondering about something, unsure this week, there's things going on. I will help you. Four simple words. And the whole situation for that person changes. Oh, you'll help me? Well, wonderful. Then maybe I can manage. Then things will go better. Those small words turn the situation around. Those are godly words. Listen to Psalm 46, verse 1. God says to his people, I am your refuge and strength, an ever-present help. God says, I will help you. We say to each other, I will help you. Let's help each other. And that changes everything. When God is there, when we are there for each other, what seems impossible becomes possible. People are encouraged, given hope. They are not alone. James 3 gives two very positive examples. His first example is of the horse, the bit in the mouth of a horse. My sister has horses. And when we go there, we ride the horses because she loves the horses. So we go to the barn, and it's always a, a huge... Uh, uh, to catch these horses, they're out in the meadow, and, and she calls them, and they don't come, and she goes out, and they run away, and eventually, eventually she gets them cornered and roped, and we get them in the barn. And, but then you put a bit in the mouth of her horse, Monty, and, and everything changes. Get on I'm saying, I'm not getting on that horse. Say, so you can get on that horse. It's fine. You get on the horse. It's fine. Take the reins. It's fine. It goes where it wants to, you want it to go. It stops when you want it to stop. Everything changes. It's not that big horse running around wondering, what's it going to do? No. It's changed completely. That, that picture of a small bit in the mouth of a horse and having that control... In the days of James, uh, horses did a lot of things for work and travel and military things. There was an understanding of, of the benefit of having horses, having them under control, having that ability, and that was a wonderful thing. And so that small instrument changes the vision, the view, the direction. I think, I think that's, that's like a small word uh, in the lives of people, too, to offer a small word of hope, of help, of encouragement. I was listening to some of the stories maybe you've seen in terms of the Olympic athletes and how they became athletes and how that all worked. And Mark Van Kuberden, he was, he was not uh, going to be a sprint kayaker, but at a certain point, at the age of 13, he was busy being just a teenager, but then somebody said to him, you would be good at this. And, and it changed his whole life. He, he entered into this direction and he became an Olympic champion and he continues to just do amazing things. And you think, how is that possible? And the reason is somebody said to him, you should do this. You can be good at this. Encouraged him and then along the way. But that word changed his whole direction. 
The second example from verse 4, even more striking, I think, the ships of the day. It says, if you take a ship, and uh, people that James is writing to were scattered from Jerusalem, and many of them, as they scattered, were taking ships from, from the ports along Israel and, and traveling out through the Mediterranean. So they knew about ships. If you take a ship, and if you think about a Roman galley, it was about 33 meters long, about the, the length of our sanctuary here. And, and so, yeah, large, large ship of the day controlled by a small rudder. And that ship would be controlled and, and, and moved around just by a small rudder. So that's, that's the picture he's, he's presenting. And, and that the rudder would guide the ship on the open sea or in port. Just, just that small control and, and the whole situation is, is guided and directed. I think of our modern ships. Now, if you think of our modern cargo ships or cruise liners, they are, they are ten times longer. Big, big ships. And I really like the fact, I was watching a Mighty Ships on Discovery Channel. Do you watch Discovery? Yes! Amazing. And there you see, there's a captain of this huge ship, and what does he have to control it, right? He's sitting there on the bridge, and he has just a, a little joystick. Look at that thing. <laughs> and he's controlling this huge ship. So just a small word, a small word of encouragement can change everything. So our modern example is even better, I think, than, than the initial one that James has in mind. It makes the point even better. Do we truly realize... Is it our understanding of the wisdom of God that, that we can speak a word of hope, a word of faith, a word of truth into the lives of those around us, and, and, and God will use that in amazing ways? That's godly wisdom, to, to be ready to offer those words of hope and help. Finally, any attention to words in Scripture points us back to Jesus. So James' discussion of, of the tongue and the words we speak, does, does, he has in mind absolutely John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word of God to us. The Word made flesh. And when we take that word of Jesus, the name of Jesus, sincerely, in any situation, it makes all the difference. You do hear the word of Jesus, the name of Jesus, often in our culture as a curse word. People are, oh, Jesus this, Jesus that. But if you take the name of Jesus seriously, that one word, Jesus, and if you speak that word seriously in any situation, at the bank, at work, anywhere. If you begin to speak about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, every single situation changes to true hopefulness, helpfulness. Jesus is the word that changes everything back from those words of Satan in the garden. 
Jesus is the word now, the Son of God who came to save us from our sin and to restore this fallen world. That's the word of God spoken in his Son. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life in a lost, lying, and dead world. That's the word we want to express. That word turns the whole shipwreck of my life around. Jesus is that little control. And if I have him as the word at the center, then my whole life that, that can get off track so easily gets turned around in his grace. We are no longer sinking in sin, but saved by his grace. He sets our course for salvation, for hope, for encouragement in our lives every day. So the words we say need to be based on that one word, Jesus. Even as the passage ends in verse, 13, uh, verse 11, where, where James talks about that spring, that spring of water bubbling up, not salty but fresh and sweet. What does Jesus say? In John 4, he says to the Samaritan woman, her life is a wreck. She has had husbands and problems and no end of trouble. Jesus says, my word, faith in me will become what? A spring of living water bubbling up in you. If you let that spring bubble up in you, fresh water, and that, that as you go to people, they see you coming, and it's as if you're coming to them with a glass of fresh water, and, and they're happy to see you, and they want to talk to you because they know you are going to listen to them, and you're going to encourage them, and that's the kind of fellowship we need to be that we have at the heart, okay, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me, and that we would be that welcoming, encouraging people to all who God calls our way. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word that continues to speak hope into our lives, and we ask again this morning that you would help us to be careful in what we say and that we would also take every opportunity to encourage each other in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you have changed our lives when we put our faith in you, and that you would continue to change lives and draw people to yourself in your love and grace. Lord, we pray, too, that you would continue to direct our lives, that we would live, not as this culture, very self-focused and selfish, but that we would live loving you and our neighbor as you have commanded us. Lord, we pray that you would continue to help us to speak a good word to each other. We think of, of marriage partners where sometimes words can be exchanged between a husband and a wife that are hard and hurtful. Lord, we pray that we could speak in grace to each other as husbands and wives. We pray for families that in families too, where sometimes things can become difficult and there can become, things can become tense, Lord, we ask that the words that we say would be helpful in healing and building up to your honor and glory. Lord, we pray too that as a church fellowship, you would continue to guide us 
in encouraging and building one another up. We thank you for things that uh, you do and continue to do in our fellowship. We want to just also lift up to all those who, who helped with Vacation Bible School last week where, where Aaron was leading and Brad at her side and everyone pitching in and how it all came together so well. Lord, we thank you for your blessing and all who helped out. Lord, we think, too, of, of how you continue to use people in this fellowship on Thursday nights where there is always someone ready to cook and clean and help and where we have opportunity to feed and encourage people, groups of 50, 60, 70 at a time, week after week. Lord, it's amazing and how you continue to provide people who dedicate themselves and are willing to help in that work where we can speak and act in a way to our town so that they know you love them and we can express that love as a church as well. Lord, we continue also to see your presence and power in the many ministries of this fellowship and we thank you for this church and all that it means to us and all that you are doing through it. Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in and through us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.